Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. What is it with cops and donuts? I don't get it. Hey, uh, good morning again, everybody. I just want to extend my personal welcome to all of you here today. Those of you here in person also joining us online, I don't want to take for granted that you choose to spend your Sunday morning here with us. I think that's pretty awesome. Before I begin today, can I encourage you, for those of you who have not yet done answer, to sign up at therocks.info, I guarantee you, even if you've been following Jesus for 30 years, 40 years, the, what we talk about in answer is going to be so valuable to you uh, for your journey with Jesus Christ. I've had so many good feedback, so even for those of you who are in Perth joining online, hey, you can sign up too. Just go to therocks.info. It's going to start this Tuesday for four weeks, so looking forward to see you there, okay? We are in the second week of our series, Bad Boys of the Bible, and for those of you who are not familiar with the content of the Bible, maybe you think the Bible is just a book filled with stories of good people doing good things for a good God, and that's why the Bible is totally irrelevant to you. Uh, You can't identify with with those sort of stuff. I want to tell you that the Bible is not like that at all. This is the reason why I believe the Bible is an inspired Word of God is because how honest the Bible is about the flaws of people. Uh, When you open the pages of the Bible, you will soon discover that the Bible is filled with stories of ordinary people like you and me, people with weaknesses, people who've made mistakes in their lives, and that is why I really believe the Bible is an inspired Word of God. And today, uh, we're going to talk about someone who is really, really bad in the Bible, and the reason why I like this character so much is because I can identify with this character, you see. Uh, One of the things that I don't really like is that for someone like me, people attach a certain title to you. Uh, People call me a spiritual leader, and I really, really don't like that at all because you all know how difficult it is for us to be a leader, right? And if you attach the word spiritual in front of it, that makes it that much more heavier. And it's just so, so difficult for me to to fulfill and realize this role and feel comfortable in this role because I I don't always lead by example. I, I had a lot of weaknesses. I've made so many mistakes in my life. I wonder why God even bothered to call me into this role. Uh, Why does he call me to lead others when a lot of times I don't even know how to lead myself? And that is the reason why I I identify with this character, Samson. And maybe you will too, because some of you here are wondering if you can ever, ever be useful in this world. Maybe you think you're a bad parent. Maybe you think you're a bad husband, a bad wife a bad mother or whatever, and you're wondering if there's any purpose for you. We're wondering if you could do any better and all that. And maybe for that reason, you shy away from, from, from church or from whatever. Just, you just feel bad about yourself. Maybe that's you. I don't know. But I think you're going to love this character, Samson, because Samson is a lot like you, is a lot like me, all right? Uh, For those of you who grew up in the Bible, uh, in in the church, you will be familiar with the story of Samson. Samson is this dude who's strong and powerful, long hair, uh, killed lion with his bare hand, and killed 
up many, many Philistines, the enemies of Israel. And he has a very famous wife called Delilah, uh, to whom he shared the secret of his strength. And for that reason, the Philistines captured him, gouged out both of his eyes and, and put him in, in the temple of Dagon, the gods. And, and, and at the last breath of his life, you know, he pushed the pillars of the temple, killing even more Philistines along the way. And that is Samson. You would be familiar with that story if you grew up in church, all right? And, and the thing with Samson is, uh, when I talk to Christians, not many Christians have Samson as the hero of their faith. You know, when I talk to people, the heroes of faith are usually people like Abraham, the father of faith, or, or Esther, or the person with courage, or Ruth, who is so pure in her faith. But no one has ever told me that the hero of their faith is Samson. Except when you talk to children. Children love Samson. I remember when Jaden was growing up, I told him the story of Samson through this comic book Bible, and he loved it. And one of the reasons why he loved the story of Samson is incident like this in his life. Let me read it to you, okay? Um, where is, where are we? Okay. Look at this, uh, Judges 15 verse 4, Then Samson went out and caught 300 foxes, and he tied their tails together in pairs, and he fastened a torch to each pair of the tails. Then he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves in the process. Now tell me if that is not the funniest thing you heard all morning, all right? That's what Samson did. That's why kids love Samson. But when I talk to adults, they don't like Samson. They think Samson wasted his life, Samson is good for nothing, wasting his anointing, and all of that. Samson is like the Dennis Rodman of the Bible, you know? If he's a superhero, he's not Batman or Superman, he's more like Hancock, you know, the bad one, the really, really bad one. That's who Samson was, and for a long time, I too did not like Samson very much. I thought like, yeah, what a waste of life and all that. But the older I get, get this, the more I identify with Samson. Samson was, Samson was tempted in many ways. I too am often tempted in many ways. Samson struggled with obedience to God. I struggle with obedience to God. Samson often questioned his calling in life, the purpose of his life. I too sometimes question the purpose of my life. Samson, you know, He's not always uh, good with forgiveness. He's, he likes to take revenge uh, on people. And sometimes, from time to time, just a pastor's confession again, I too find it hard to forgive. I too uh, have this desire to take revenge upon myself. So the older I get, the more I identify with this character, Samson. So let's find out who he really is. Is he a saint or is he a sinner? Or maybe he's somewhere in between, all right? His story starts in Judges chapter 13. This is about 1200 BC. Uh, this is how it starts. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. And you will read this phrase a lot as you open the book of Judges. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Precisely seven times this phrase appears 
in the book of Judges. We call it the cycle of sin. This is how it works, all right? So Israel does bad, and as a result, as a consequence, Israel suffers, usually in the hands of the enemies, and then Israel cries out to God. God sends a judge to deliver them, and then Israel does good for a time being, and then Israel does bad again, suffers consequences again, cries out to God again, God sends a judge again, Israel does good again for the time being, and so the cycle continues seven different times. God keeps sending judges after judges after judges to deliver Israel. And this is how the story of Samson began. He is the last of the seven judges, and in verse 2 we read this. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. So the birth of Samson was already prophesied, just like the birth of Jesus and his father and mother, even though they were barren, nothing is impossible with God. That's my experience with Hulda, and maybe that's some of your experience as well, that God is the God of the impossible, amen? So the story continues. In verse four, now see to it that you drink no wine, no other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything that is unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite. That's a special group of people. Not a Nazarene. Nazarene are people from Nazareth. But a Nazarite is a specially dedicated group of people uh, dedicated to serve God. Dedicated to God from the womb, he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines, that's the purpose of his life, to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. But here's where I want to come to the protection. I don't know, I just want to defend Samson because Samson has received a lot of bad rap in his life. Uh, and I think it is good for us to put us, you know, <laughs> put yourself in the shoes of Samson. All right? Samson never volunteered to be a Nazarite. He had no option in his life other than to be a Nazarite. He didn't have that option. Unlike you and me, we can be whatever we wanted to be, right? If you look at the book of Numbers, chapter 6, for example, you know, you have to want to be a Nazarite. Look at uh, what is recorded for us. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, if a man or a woman wants to make a special vow, See, Samson never wanted to make that vow. He didn't make that vow. It was decided for him from birth. Imagine, you know, you want to be a doctor, but you couldn't because your parent wanted you to be an engineer or whatever. Like, you had no say in the matter. If a man or a woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite, again, <laughs> a vow that Samson never made, these are the things that they must abstain from, from wine, from, being, uh, from using razor, and must not go near a dead body. And one by one, Samson broke all these vows, except for keeping his hair long, because that doesn't require discipline, all right? So Samson was really, really bad. I'm not saying here to defend him, saying like he's actually good, disguising as a bad person. No, he was really, really bad. All the bad things you could imagine, Samson did it. Went to a prostitute, killing people, you know, lying, all those stuff, all right? So this is Samson. Let me just pick 
for you a snippet of his life so that you get an idea of what kind of person Samson was. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, and you got to read this with imagination, all right? This is so childish of Samson. He's like, he's whining. A young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. Imagine your teenage son <laughs> talk like that to you, right? Smack. But his parents listened to Samson. And this is what happened. As his father was making final arrangements for the marriage, Samson threw a party at Timnah, as was the custom for elite young men. When the bride's parents saw him, a foreigner marrying their daughter, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companions. You read it to be his spies, all right? Because the parents were not sure if this Samson is a good guy or not. You know, they sent these 30 men just to make sure. And Samson did not like that one bit. So in order to get rid of them, Samson devised a riddle that is impossible for them to solve, all right? And this riddle was like, and Samson promised them, if you can solve this riddle, I'm going to give you nice clothing as a reward, Armani suit. But no one can solve his riddle because that's a riddle that he made up himself, right? Based on his life experience. But his new wife kept asking him, kept asking him. And he refused to tell her until his wife did this. And I'm telling you, wives, don't do this at home, please. Okay? This is what happened. And so the waterworks began. She cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer. This is the reason, because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Okay, wives, don't do it. Do your, do your husbands a favor. Then she explained the riddle to the young men, and obviously the young men were able to solve the riddle, and Samson had to pay, right? And this is how Samson paid for the what he promised this young man. Samson went down to the town of Ascalon, killed 30 men, took their belongings, gave their clothing to the man who had solved his riddle. And again, Samson being so childish, he was furious about what had happened. He decided to come back home. He went back home to live with his father and mother, leaving his wife by herself. And the parents you know, this is an opportunity. They didn't like Samson in the first place. So his wife was given in marriage to the man, the best man, who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. So Samson was back at home living with his parents. And after some time, he missed his wife. He decided to come back. Later on during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. So I see a lot of young adults here. If chocolates and flowers don't work for you, Young goat, might just do it, all right? And he said, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her, but her father wouldn't let him in. And this is what the father said, I thought, I truly thought you must have hated her, the father explained. So I gave her in marriage to your best man. And at this, Samson was so furious, and he did what we read at the beginning with the foxes and the fire and all that. And this made the Philistines very, very upset. And this is what they said, right? Who did this? The Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply. So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. And this is what Samson said. This is important. Because you did this, Samson vowed, 
I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. And so he attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. Now, we can go on and on. And obviously, he went on to marry Delilah, and he repeated the exact same mistake. Delilah, you know, the waterworks began. Delilah cried out, well, what's the secret of your strength? And Samson exposed the secret of his strength, and that's the reason why he got captured. You know, uh, two of his eyes were gouged out, and then he died at the temple of Dagon, right? So my question to you this morning, because our time is running out, is this. What lesson do you think we can learn from the life of Samson? What lesson? You know, in preparation for this message, I kid you not, I listened to at least 20 sermons on Samson. At least, all right? And all of these sermons, all 20 of them, maybe you can YouTube some and let me know. All 20 of them, pretty much the bottom line of the message is the same. And the message is this. Don't do what Samson did. (laughs) All right? Pretty much the lesson is on morality. All right? This is, Samson is an example of what not to do as a follower of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ. I have a problem with that. And my problem with that is, I think it is super dangerous for us to reduce the Bible to just morality lesson. Guess what? You can get morality lesson from anywhere, all right? You can get it literally from anywhere. So there must be another reason why the Holy Spirit chose to put the story of Samson in a Bible, all right? And another problem for me with reducing the Samson story to morality, an example of what not to do, is this. How is it then that Samson made it to Hebrews chapter 11, Hall of Faith, right? For those of you who are not familiar with the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews listed all the heroes of the faith from the past, all right? Here's what it's written. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, the evidence of things that we cannot see, and here's the deal, verse 2. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earn a good reputation, and then one by one, Okay, the author of Hebrews started to list the heroes of the faith. For example, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham, uh, when called, obeyed and went, and so on and so on. But tuck nicely away in verse 32, believe it or not, it says this, it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, lo and behold, Samson, he made it to the hall of faith, Jephthah, together with David and Samuel and all the other prophets. What's going on? What's the deal? Why is Samson in the hall of faith? If he's an example of what not to follow, why is he in the hall of faith? Well, some people say that's because he killed a lot of Philistines, the enemies of Israel. Well, i tell you what. The reason why he killed a lot of Philistines is not to deliver the people of Israel. A lot of the times, in fact, all of the time, every single time he killed the Philistines, it is out of personal revenge. And then people say, well, what about when he was at the temple of Dagon, when he finally realized and then he just killed them uh, to deliver the people of Israel? No, no, read your Bible carefully. Listen, this is at the dying last Part of his life at the temple of Dagon, then Samson prayed to the Lord 
Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get what? Revenge on the Philistines. For what? For my two eyes. God, come on. Come through for me. I don't think Samson is in the hall of faith because he killed a lot of Philistines. Other people told me he's in the hall of faith because he, he trusted God. He depended on God. No, nope. Read Judges 13 to 16. Never once, except for this one, never once did he ever pray to God. Not once. All right? This is the only prayer that he prayed to God and that too to ask God to help him to take revenge for his two eyes. So again, the question remains, why is Samson in the hall of faith? What is the lesson from the life of Samson? And I think this is the, the lesson, all right? Notice how he prayed, he began his prayer. He said, sovereign Lord, sovereign Lord. You know, all this while, Samson is the God of Samson. All this while, Samson never relied on God. He relied on his own strength. The Holy Spirit came on him, but I don't think he even realized that Samson was the God of Samson. Nobody will tell me what to do. I don't care how I have been set apart to deliver the people of Israel. My mom can't tell me what to do. My father can't tell me what to do. Even God can't tell me what to do. I am my own man. See, Samson has always depended on God. He never looked to God as his hero. When he was a child, maybe he heard the story of how Abraham, David, and all these great giants of faith, uh, you know, rely on God, have God as their hero. Never Samson. His strength is enough to deliver him out of whatever situation that he might be in. But at the last dying breath of his life, he recognized who God is for real. He called him Sovereign Lord. Lord means master. You are the real master of my life. And the reason why I believe Samson is in the hall of faith is because his faith is amazing. He knew he's been bad. He knew his motive is less than pure, even at the last minute. But then whose motive is absolutely pure? right? Remember the story of the prodigal son? The prodigal son ran away, wasted his father's wealth, but when he decided to come back, the reason why the prodigal son decided to come back is not because he missed his father. He missed his father's food. I said that many, many times. Read your Bible carefully. He wanted to eat what the slaves in his father's house were eating because he was so hungry. He didn't really miss his dad, but what did his dad do? His dad embraced him, his dad accepted him, didn't put any probation or anything. That is the heart of God. And Samson is in the hall of faith because Samson believes, like very few people could believe, that no matter how bad he's been, God will always be there for him. This is the bottom line from the story of Samson. The story of Samson is a reminder of God's bottomless grace, love, and mercy not only for Samson, but also for the people of Israel. Remember when I told you the cycle of sin? Israel does bad, Israel suffers, and Israel cries out to God. What is unique about the story of Samson is that the people of Israel didn't even cry out to God anymore. There were probably 
they probably resign to the fact that they're going to be ruled over by their enemies forever. They probably get comfortable with their sin. So, the story of Samson is unique because the people of Israel didn't care anymore for God to deliver them. But God is an amazing God. Paul says, when we are faithless, he will remain faithful, right? Israel didn't ask for a deliverer, and yet God still sent a deliverer for the people of Israel. The story of Samson is a reminder of God's amazing bottomless grace for Samson, for the people of Israel, and for imperfect people like you, for imperfect people like me. How far is too far for God not to forgive you anymore? How far is too far for God to say, I can't take it anymore? Is divorce too far? Is abortion too far? Is killing too far? Robbing a bank? How far is too far? The answer is, read the story of Samson. You are never too far gone for God to not be able to forgive you, to accept you, and to love you, and to hug you with his warm, loving embrace. Yeah. Listen to this quote from Corrie Ten Boom. There is no pit so deep that the love of God is not deeper still. Amen? Whoever you are, whether you are a follower of God or not, I want to let you know this morning that God loves you so much. You might not even care about God, but God still cares about you. For those of you followers of Jesus Christ, maybe you've run away from God. Maybe you're about to leave faith and you think that God doesn't care about you anymore. Maybe you think you've gone too far. This morning, God, is wanting, God wants to remind you that, no, my child, you are always going to be my precious one. You are always going to be mine forever. I love you with an everlasting love. My mercies are new every morning. Great is my faithfulness. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.